take real estate as a shot or as a fully stocked cooler? This is the Five O'Clock Somewhere Real Estate Investor Podcast. We're bringing common sense back to real estate investment. So crack open your beverage of choice, sit back and relax, and allow us to learn you a thing or two. So today we're going to cover, uh, we have a good investor of ours and his brother Shane, for the first time I met Shane, uh, heard a lot about him, finally met him face to face. Dan and Shane Tabish in from Utah with us. Daniel's been a good investor of mine since, what, 2020? On our podcast, you hear a lot of different options and ways to carve up investing and different formulas and how people view things differently. And in my book, Dan's got a different, maybe not different approach, but to me, mostly on what I deal with with investors, your approach is very different than most. How many properties do you have now that we've picked up? In Memphis, seven. Seven, okay. And they're all C neighborhoods, C plus neighborhoods, correct? I think I have one B minus. B minus, where is yeah, that one? Carnes. Carnes, yeah, yeah, okay. In all of your purchases, you always, and I didn't understand this at the very beginning, you'd always be like, so Brett, what is it worth? And I'd tell you what it's worth. And you're like, no, I need to know what it's going to be worth when I'm done with it, right? Because your approach is you take out a loan, you buy the property for 80000 you dump twenty twenty five into it, get a tenant in place, and then refinance it for one twenty five, And that's so you can pull out, you pull out additional cash? I don't pull any cash out. You don't? Um, in, in that scenario, I would be at one oh five. Okay. Okay. And you know, I don't want the extra cash. I just don't want my cash trapped in the property if I don't have to. Gotcha. So you're basically refining to pull out your my rehab down, cash. My, my down payment or my rehab cash. However, it worked out because sometimes, depending on the lender I use, they might have me put my down payment and then they just lend me back my down payment for the okay. fix up. Gotcha. But when it's all said and done, I would like to be in as close to zero down as possible because now the bank is carrying a 30 year mortgage for me at the lowest possible rate. Now it's permanent financed, it's set it and forget it. Okay. Well, we preach that a lot. Jeff and I talk a lot about young investors' costs. I got $50,000. I want to get into investing in real estate. Can you go find me two $25,000 houses? Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> but we preach, no, you take that $50,000 and you parlay it into, pick out a loan, buy two properties. Yeah. Get that property up to where you need it to be. And now at this point, you get into the Burr method, right? Where you're rehabbing, renting, and refining. Right. But then you get those properties stable, get them cash flowing, pull out whatever cash you can, roll that into whatever you have left in the bank, and then buy your third and fourth property and continue to roll forward that exactly. way. Exactly. So that's my formula. Okay. I, I want to take that $50,000 and instead of just getting two properties, I want to get two properties, get my money back, get two more properties, get my money back. Right. And the bank allows me to do that because once I've stabilized the property and I have the higher set value... I get to just recirculate over and over. How many properties have you accumulated over the years? I'm probably in the neighborhood of 300 now. But I I don't still own that many. So he's a small fish. That's all. Yeah. But I. He wants to be a big baller, but he's not. (laughs) 300. Yeah. And you you self manage most of those, don't you? Yeah. Especially in Utah. I've self managed all of them always. I never had a property manager in Utah. And you still have all your hair. 
I do. That's so you're doing something right. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know you had three. I knew you had a lot. I didn't think. Yeah. I didn't know it was three hundred. Man, that's yeah. a big I think a, a good point though is on those is and what him and I did was we held onto the properties that we thought were the better properties. Right. But you flip the stuff. You need some cash as a real estate investor, so flip some of it. So you got get your a, money out, and because you can easily get equity rich, cash poor as a real estate investor. Right. Right. So uh, so a concept yeah. could be you, you buy ten properties this year. And out of those 10, you're probably going to hang on to six that are your better cash flows. The other four, you flip out, make 10 or 15 grand on them, take that cash and move on to the next batch. My old formula was buy three, sell two. Okay. Keep one. What do you gotcha. do with the cash flow? You put it all back in the reserves, pay down the principals if there's any left over. How do you work that out? So when I first started, I was using the money to live and, and renovate and you know whatever the property. So I was constantly burning through my positive cash flow. But my strategy here in Memphis for the seven units that I bought, the very first one I bought was Egyptian Cove. So right now, Egyptian Cove gets 100% of my positive cash flow as a principal reduction payment. So I'm not taking any money out of Memphis right now. Okay. So uh, you're paying it, down those loans. Paying and down, yeah. So building Egypt, equity. Right. So Egyptian Cove will be paid off in like 14 more months. Oh wow! Really? And then now I'll take that. What is it running for? Uh, Egyptian Cove is fourteen hundred. Fourteen hundred. So you're fourteen months from now, you're going to have a zero expense on the mortgage and interest side, and pulling in fourteen hundred. Okay, hang on. You're taking every profit from that house only, or so I bought house all seven of your houses. Um, just yeah, to pay all that one seven down. of my houses. So I bought house number one, Egyptian Cove. Then I bought another one on Kerwin. You know, I've got all seven. All seven rents go to Egyptian Cove. Well, that's pretty genius. I've never, we never even talked about. So it's that, like the brother. old credit card debt payment system. You pay off the first, and once you get it paid off, then you roll all that into the number two, the number three. But you leave pay down your least favorable loan. You and then if you've got one loan that's higher rate, get that paid yeah. down. You leave enough in the other properties for a reserve for repairs no, or maintenance. I have, or you just, you, I have, you have all a, my, I have other money from Utah right, rentals. Right. So if I have an expense come up, I'll just pull it from my Utah okay, money. Well that's, uh, that's pretty genius. We've never even really talked about no, that before. That may, we, we preach all the time, take the little bit of money you got, parlay it into as many properties as you can get your hands on, do the improvements, let the appraisal values go up, let the rents grow, then refi, get your cash, and do it again. But I always say, and Jeff and I talk about this all the time, take your rent, if you're making $250 a month off that house, after your mortgage expenses, taxes, yeah. expenses, and you're putting money in a reserve account for those moments, take that 250 plop it on the principal, pay it down faster, because now you're building your portfolio and you can refi and pull out equity sooner than if you just wait on that 20-year loan to, to mature. Right. Yeah. The, the benefit to me is I have income elsewhere. I don't need Memphis's income. So when I'm all said and done, those seven properties will be paid off in about 84 months. But that's a strategy now. Let, let's be clear. If you're starting out in this game, take the money. You take got the money. <laughs> listen, guys, listen, don't. He's at that stage now. You know, he's got other income. His goal is to pay these off. He's thinking sure, retirement sure. now. For somebody well, but, starting out, I think there's a couple of the guys that were buying the property from now, they got in cash trouble. And, you know, I mean, yeah. you, you've got to, if you're starting out, you have to preserve your capital. That's well, that's the only power you have in the guys days. that the new investors we're getting yeah. or believe it or not, uh, one of them just flew in last night. Yeah. Uh, I've been trying to coordinate. I think Nick's going to meet with him this afternoon and we're going to all hook up tomorrow because they're doing some construction work on some of the properties. Most of these guys have a good job making very good income. So they don't need the money to live off of. So in that scenario, 
My attitude is you take every dime you get that you don't set aside for reserves or expenses and you pay down that loan and create the equity that you eventually get three homes, 50% equity, refi, take that cash out. Now you got $100,000 and you go out and buy five properties. Sure. And you continue that cycle. And it is easier to do it when you don't need the money. Right. Yeah. But it, listen, you're not going to be a real estate investor. At least I'm not going to be your agent. If you're coming to me and you're unemployed, wanting to buy your first investment property, yeah, right. I don't care how much money, you, <laughs> care how much money you got. And for those that have income and they're not really needing the rents, but it's nice to have that cash flow and they want to pay down. Sometimes the the even if you bought a property where you're breaking even, the mm-hmm. the cash or the tax break from it each year can be. I mean, you, you're right, yeah, yeah. hundred or something, you know, something just on a handful of properties. You can look at it like, hey, I'm cash flowing just by my tax savings, right. three or four hundred a month, just owning it as it as it. Uh, yeah, your your as depreciation. It goes up value over time. So it's not always about the positive cash flow. Now you need an, an income that you can write against, write right. write off against. But that's a big. That's why I'm doing it again. I'm getting back into this because I have other income where I really need. He's been on me about it, Shane. <laughs> you need some tax write offs. This crazy amount of taxes you're paying each year. So I don't need to cash flow, but. It's nice. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, the young investors that come to us, yeah. I, I love working with the older investors with experience. They're yeah. much easier to deal with. You We're can do much now. more of Yeah, <laughs> we are older now. I'm not Sorry calling to, you old. hear that now. <laughs> but when you own 300 properties, you've been around the block a couple of times, right? You've made every mistake that these young guys are going to make. It's much easier to work with a seasoned investor because you can talk straight shop with them and honest stuff about it and they get it. Younger guys typically come in with their own philosophy of what they think they should do. And it's hard to get them geared the right way. But at the end of the day, we want investors that want to build asset wealth and aren't trying to become the next Donald Trump by buying 10 properties and quitting their day job. Well, you just said something important there. You get caught up in just trying to own property. You can't do that. So there's a lot of people we'd almost, when we'd sell them the property, they just wanted to own something to show their right. friends. They did, you got to be patient. You got to buy the right one. Uh, mm-hmm. Just buy one good, you know, my, I have two sons right now. It's taken them a year. They keep bringing me stuff. And I say, no. You'll know when it's a deal because it's right. just staring you in the face. I kind of like, I think this one, you see it that way, this yeah. 20 unit. Absolutely. It's just staring him in the face. He knows this market. And so I'm trusting him. You're saying there's no way we can not close is, is kind of the attitude. Right. But when you find those deals, then you, that's when you move forward. But if you're just buying a property to own it, that can you can get in real trouble. Real, yeah. Real if you're fast. trying to buy a property because you want to tell your friends you have a property. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of guys like us that'll sell them well, to you. Yeah, yeah, I know. There's a lot of agents that'll sell it to you too. And so, so buy the right one, and- know your market, take a lot of time knowing your market. It'll save you a lot of headache. Don't get in a hurry. And then two, having the ability to see past the dust, to be able to, just like today, things are hanging trash everywhere, but you know, being able to see how you know, he's done it enough times, he knows yeah. what it's going to look like when it's finished. What is that ultimate value when it's finished? That's very important. And that, that's the only way to do it. You have to be able to buy right. You know, we, you know the, the term just, you know, you make your money when you buy. And, and, you, and, that, and that is just, these are fundamental strategies that ha- you got to start with that or else you're, you're already on the wrong I think track. as a new investor, you got to start out with the premise that you're going to do asset wealth building and not cash flow building, yeah. right? Yeah. I think once you get to the level that you're at, Dan, obviously at 300 yeah. properties, then you can kind of kick back and say, all right, I'm going to be a full-time real estate investor. I got plenty of money coming right. in. Yeah. I can survive the storms. I can take care of replacing the air conditioner if I've got to put a roof on. You're not stressed about that oh moment. And as starting out, I mean, originally you said you were burning through your cash trying to yeah. pay bills. And we try to tell young investors that if you're going to buy real estate, you've got to be able to buy it and not need the money. Yeah. Right. You've got to be able to throw that money back on that mortgage, throw it back on the property and 
all of a sudden, 10 years from now, you pay the mortgage off early and you got a house worth 150 grand that's paid for. Right. Well, if you do that 10 times, that's worth a million and a half dollars. Exactly. You've just built your retirement account and had tenants paying all your expenses, right? Exactly. Yeah. So, and you got the tax write-off if you were making an income. Correct. So if, if you're working a day job and you're accumulating real estate, your tax write-off, I mean, there were so many times that I get to the end of the year and the CPA would go through the numbers and they're like, yeah, you don't own a, a penny. And I'm like, wow. That's a cash flow in itself right there. How, how that's did a, I? That's a, that's a, I, a, I made a Apparently, I, I need to up my game a I, bit. I really, yeah. I really wish I'd have held on to a lot. Of, I was a flipper guy. I, 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 I like having the cash. champagne when I make my payment. And they're like, thank yeah, you. But he did a good thing by hanging on to him and he had to go through a struggling period. Oh, that's yeah. what I'm yeah. saying. It wasn't just, easy. Just, just putting cash on the principal. Here you, it is. You got, you got a term, the cash on cash return you got. Yeah. Long-term investing in real estate. Yeah. It's like any other long-term investing, right? You're building for the future. And if you go into real estate toward the future and not, oh my God, I need to make a thousand dollars to pay my house note or pay my truck note or right. you know, buy my wife whatever she wants. If you get away from that model and the cash flow model and just look at it as an asset. Yeah. You put money in the stock market. You play the stock market. Yeah. You play it well, from what I understand. I take companies public, yeah. Yeah. So there are a lot of company or a lot of guys that invest that don't play it. They just invest for long-term retirement. And that's how I look at real estate yeah. is that you should just be putting, buy your asset, let it grow just like a stock would and don't take the dividends, just let it keep reinvesting on itself and keep your day job. And when you're old and gray like you two are, then you can <laughs> kick back and be like, look at me, I'm a real estate mogul, mm-hmm. right? I can retire. Yeah. By yeah. the way, they're, they're both younger than I am, so let's <laughs> throw that out there. Uh, yeah. And so- Try not to tie up a lot of cash, the cash on cash return. And that was the first question I asked him is, you know, on this deal, how much cash are we going to have to leave into this? You know, because that matters. If we're leaving that whole chunk in there, that changes the investment. But if we're able to find ways to get a lot of that back in a year or leave nothing in it, when you're using the bank's money, now now you're, that's a home run. You got to own it. I mean, even even if you're just at a, you know, break even, you, you own it if it's on the bank's money. But if we can, you know, have a positive cash flow and we've left very little cash and we can look at that cash, what's our return on you know, whatever's left in, right. 200 grand or whatever it may be. Now you, you start looking at the, you know, okay, oh, okay, we're doubling our money on that that cash that's left in and we have the equity appreciation and we have the tax, the, sure. the write-off. Yeah. Well, let's, so, let's shift gears because y'all are now upping, you're upping the game. We're, yeah. we're now moving from single family and duplexes into multifamily. We just are about to close on a 20-unit building. Listeners won't know this area, but it's called the medical district between Midtown and Downtown. Super hot area, high-end rents considerably high in rents for one bedroom, one bath for Memphis, where we're going to do a beautiful elevation. We're going to do gated parking. Every unit's going to have granite, stainless steel, you know, modern lighting, modern bathrooms. And we're hoping to be renting those for $1,050 to $1,200 per unit for a one bedroom, one bath that is barely 500 square feet. So when I first sent this project to you, can you maybe kind of run down like what you were doing in your head as far as figuring out how and why this is such a good deal. So the, the first part of it was it can cash flow with the existing low rents. Right. So right away, it was like, well, okay, well, I mean, even you if did we, nothing. Yeah, even if we just rent to the existing group of tenants, there's a positive cash flow. Okay. But based on the financing he was lining up, though, that's 
financing is probably so you think the one. financing had a lot to do with it making that work at its current number one numbers. sure it's okay. number yeah. one Bec- well because yeah. the bank doesn't want to do it if it's not going to have a, a good debt True. service coverage ratio True. right that in this particular bank they need to be a 1.3 okay for our listeners they are just learning explain your 1.3 okay so debt service coverage ratio is the amount of rent has to be 1.3 times the payment okay gotcha so that's that's pretty standard bank underwriting. They, if it's a 1.3, they're going to do the loan. If it's 1.4, 1.5, like you can get some really good numbers. But on this particular one, when we're all said and done, if we don't refinance and we just t- take the money that the bank's giving us plus the construction budget that they're giving us, we're going to be at 2.2 debt service coverage ratio. Wow. So, but we're most likely, because we don't want to leave money trapped in the deal, Sure. when it's all said and done, it's stabilized at that $1,200 rent, we're going to refinance, pull that cash back out, so we now have the cash for the next deal. Okay. Well, and, and in that particular instance, then obviously there'll be a new appraisal done. Right. I'm convinced you're going to be closer to the three mark. Versus yeah. that, would they have it at 1.8? 1.8. So it's going to be at two and a half. Yeah, I think 2.4 is a real conservative number for that. And they're also giving they're also giving current a finished appraisal based on current cash flow. Yeah. When you're producing $1,200 a unit and the cash flow is that much higher, that's going to be a big factor in that appraisal yeah. number. The as completed value right now with the conservative numbers is 1.8. Okay. And we're buying it for 1.15. So we're already walking into this with a really good equity position, and that's because the appraiser doesn't believe that we're going to get $1,200 a month. They're doing it next door. They're doing it on both sides of right. you. Why wouldn't you? Right. But when, when you actually have the numbers yeah. and you're sitting at 97% occupancy at even $1,200 if you did, a month, even if the appraiser said, doesn't have a choice. They're going to appraise it at 2.4 But at even if you said, time. fine, I'm not going to do the, the Ironworks 1200 I'm going to do 1100 I'm going to steal some of their tenants. So I'm going to do 1050 yeah. Sure, sure. The, then you're at what, 1.8? Yeah. You're still in excellent yeah, you, position. Yeah, your debt service coverage ratio. On, on this particular deal, that's why it's just like it's a no-brainer because we can literally be, when we're all said and done, 100% financed with all the bank's money. Our money's back in our pockets. And we are going to have probably not worse than a one point. Let, let me ask service. you this, Dan. It, would we do this deal if we had to buy it with the, the chunk we're putting down? I don't know what percentage it is, but let's say it's, it's 500, I think. Yeah. And, and then we had to come out of pocket with the potential of another 400, which is three, 400. Would we do this deal? No, because we could get a better, we'd get a better loan somewhere else. Right. So my point is it comes down to financing. So he just said no, right? So. We're doing this deal because this is favorable financing because they're also giving us a credit line. The, the money we're putting down, almost all of it will be used towards the, the remodel. That's mm-hmm. what makes the deal work. Yeah. To, to put that in perspective, yeah. the bank's making us come in with $500,000 of a down payment. They're giving us a 500, was it 516? 515 or 20. Oh, or it 16, is it? oh it's 516. Yeah. So our credit line is actually in excess of our down payment. Huh. So when it's all said and done, just with the remodel, so we've remodeled we, it. We've remodeled it and we used all the all of the our bank's money. all the bank's money essentially. Although we brought five hundred thousand in, so we still don't want to leave that five hundred thousand yeah. in the deal. Yeah, uh, be, so once it's finished, the the, the the property's finished with the higher must have a higher much higher appraisal value. That even on a just a seventy percent loan, we still can get at least half that money back, leaving only in maybe it's two. Let's just say worst case, we think we can get it all back. 
Now we're in 250. Our cash on cash return is a different number. Sure. And, sure. you know, so, and then ultimately that'll probably come back at some point because we right. want to utilize it later. Yeah. But that's what, if we trapped 250 in this case, and now there'd be, there was times we would never do that. We would want it all back because we just need that money. Right. But in this case, we could probably leave money. We in, could leave in 250 in there be because, because at that point Because in time, we know we have equity. Sure. Well, we have equity, but at that point in time, we're yeah. getting in north of 10,000 a month. So if you can put so that's fifty percent return. If, right if there. you can get ten thousand a month on two hundred and fifty thousand dollars investment, you're going to do it all day just long. Just on that portion of the investment, which brings me to our one conversation we had. Remember the the guy to Israel, that old school portfolio manager, argued with me on the phone one day because yeah, we're talking you. about ROIs and yeah. uh, investing and all that. And I just you know I started talking about ROIs, and he goes, "Wait a minute, let me let me ask you a question, Brad." He goes, "If." You put a 20% down payment on that house, and that's all you've invested. And then you're picking up $300 a month positive cash flow after expenses because you did a mortgage. Because what's your real rate of return? When you narrow it down, it's not mm. much difference, but he twisted my brain because it kind of caught me off guard. I'm like, well, yeah, that makes sense. So what you're saying now is the same thing. Yeah. You're getting that kind of a return on $250,000 investment. You're the numbers guy. What what kind of return on well, investment? That's a, I mean, just it, ten thousand a month. That's one hundred twenty. That's almost a fifty percent return, right? right? I mean, somewhere, and that's if we trap. Can you do that in the stock market when you take people? No, public? that that that's a <laughs> and, and it's in a very safe investment. That uh, that's the whole. That's why right, this right. is so popular. Okay. No, if you're getting even fifteen percent, and you know that's not going, it's actually going to appreciate, and there's a tax break. It'd be incredible in the it stock pays, market. It pays. It makes stock sense. Stock market, you have the ability to leverage and, and do different things to increase those returns, but there's always risk with that. No, real estate's just solid. It's just slow. It's a slow road to China, kind of, we used to say. I like the up and downs of the stock I market. I like China. He took the slow road to China, and that, yeah. it worked out really well. It, it worked great, and you I know, I, I've yeah. said this tons of times to tons of people wanting to get into real estate, and Shane said it just a minute ago. You make your money on the front end. Mm-hmm. You buy it right, you've you know already, made, made, you've already yeah. made your money. But it's it's a slow process. You got to be patient. You got to set your parameters. Right. And if you set your parameters and don't bend them, then you're gonna make money in real estate. Yeah. But in the very end, it's not rocket science. It's no, real it's estate. not rocket science. <laughs> yeah. Find the ta- by the way, I didn't say yeah. it, but our tagline for our podcast is "We're not experts. We actually know what we're talking about." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Every expert in the world out there has told us all this yeah. crap that was going to happen that yeah. never happened. Yeah, master we- financing the real estate part's easy, uh, and and be willing to walk away. Just don't do not get you know emotionally attached to property just because it's good not. looking. Be the guy that buys the worst property in the block. I mean, we could, first thing I noticed when we walk, oh, it's the worst property in the block. It's a check box number one, <laughs> and you can see where it's going to go because. Sure. next door right so you just start checking your little boxes and then and then oh, i ain't gonna lie it, it, i got emotionally excited when i sent this to daniel he goes wow hmm? i think i might want to look at that i'm like oh my god that's great because i love that building i love that yeah. area yeah and uh so you saw it too well i saw it last year yeah when they first put it on the market i didn't have anybody looking to buy i think i may have sent it to you but you weren't yeah. ready for that I wasn't level ready yet. yeah um, yeah yeah and then when you said you you wanted to make an offer i was like not because of any reason that I just love. Well, he'd been buying residential little, little well, homes. Yeah, <laughs> I love that area. I love that concept. Yeah. I love the medical district. And I've watched so many of these buildings get rehabbed and get high in rents. And it's hard to find an investor that's willing to take that risk. Yeah. So the kid that bought this unit or this these buildings, I think, bit off more than he could chew to yeah, have decent sure. pockets to take it to that level and just kind of got stuck with it where it's at. And that's cash flowing. 
But he was hoping, I think, to be the next Ironworks. Sure. And I would love to know the financing he got. Sounds like his financing is probably probably not favorable. And so that's probably maybe on a hard money loan. Who knows where the situation is, right? And and he's just, uh, it it, it starts there. I mean, you you have to, on a big project, make the bank your partner. Yeah. 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 I agree. Yeah. Daniel, Shane, I, I wanted to know if there were any recognizable advantages to in, investing in single-family rental properties here in Memphis, Tennessee, as opposed to some of the other areas in the country you've, you've purchased in. Yeah, they're they're recognizable and they're they're targeted specifically because they matched another scenario that we started with when we Shane and I started investing in Ogden, Utah, nearly thirty years ago, and suppressed about- area. Yeah, it was it was it wasn't low income like it is now. Yeah, low income. Yep. Um, some the downtown. Cr- some d- tough crime, things like that. But the thing that's similar is you could buy on the one percent rule. And to explain that, if you're buying a house for sixty thousand dollars, you got to rent it for six hundred dollars a month. Well, here in Memphis right now, it's that one percent rule. You buy a house for around a hundred thousand dollars, you can get around thousand dollars a month. So we specifically targeted Memphis a couple years ago because of that exact scenario. And when you have the 1% rule, the debt roll system that I use works perfectly. So you take house number one, put it, all the excess rent onto the principal reduction. You buy number house number two, you do it again. You just keep rolling it all to house number one until it's paid for. Then move to house number two, pay that one off. And it was just, it's just math. Mm-hmm. You know, I just plugged it into my financial calculator and went, okay, look, we'll have all these houses debt rolled in 9.2 years. Boom, we're done. Yeah. But the, I, we think the market's moving this way, just like it did in, in we, August. We never thought, I mean, for 20 years, the, our area just, the benches and there was nice areas, the ski areas and that. Sure. But, but the, the lower income or the properties that we could acquire, it never really had a run up and then it had a big run up, you know, in the last 10 years. Yeah. It's just been incredible watching properties triple. Yeah, I we think it's they're moving out of the blue states and they're moving into Tennessee and places like this. So th- this it's I I think it's over time going to go up. It'll probably trend up and down, but it'll go go up and I think that's where you want to be. So it's real similar. We're not buying an Ogden right now. It's just already too overpriced. Yeah, yeah. Way overpriced. Well, believe it or not, I, a lot of investors do still buy in Nashville. And I'm like, why would you buy a $300,000, 3-1, 1,200 square foot house in Nashville that rents for $1,500 a month when you can buy three four of those here? Yeah. <laughs> to look cool. Yeah. I mean, really, look yeah. like all that. They want to drive right. by with their friends. And, well, it, 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 it cash flows. Yeah, maybe if it cash it, flows. or It maybe doesn't it, cash flow. They, not in Nashville, it doesn't. It does not cash flow in Nashville. I don't, unless they're you getting can. a negative percent interest rate, they cannot get it to cash or flow. Or they're just super long-term hold, you know, just uh, looking for the tax break. Well, and there okay is to- that old theory that it doesn't matter what you buy, it's always going to go up in value over time and cash flow is always going to increase. The longer you hold sure. it, the better asset it becomes. But if you start in the negative it's harder that to far, succeed. Yeah. Then yeah, you're still in the you, negative you for five, six, up. seven years. Then by the time you're in the positive, you got to hold it for another 15 to even get caught up and be considered even. They're generally lower maintenance, though. So right. there's some advantages, but we've never done it. I mean, sure. we'll, just, we'll just take it. If you want straight there. tax write offs, buy an A and B neighborhoods and don't worry about the cash. Yeah, flow. we'll have a million equity on this in no time. I yeah. mean, it's just a lot more of a comfortable position. So we're, you know, and it's a nice property, really. It really is. I, I, I can't wait till it's done. I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm it, actually going to take some pictures and post it and like, check this out. Yeah. And that's. That's not usually what we're looking for. Well, that's the stuff we avoid. What do you guys think about these new builds that Brett showed you? I've bought two of them already. Okay. So you're on board with the new build. 
If it, uh, you know, if I it wasn't initially, out. just so you know. Yeah. It took me a while to drag him kicking and screaming over the finish line. But well, get the, the, rinse, the reason being. Brian bought the first one. Yeah. Right. And I think you were kind of like, I'm going to let Brian do it and let's see how it works out for him. And I guess it worked uh, out okay. It, it was okay. The, the reason I didn't want to do it is I was trapping my down payment. Right, right. And there was no way around it because you didn't have any equity to move on. I, I didn't have a way to refinance and get my down payment back. So what I had to do was just say, okay, I'm going in this deal. I know I'm putting 25% down and that's going in. That money's now trapped in there. Mm -hmm. And that is against what I normally do buying a rental property right. because I want my money back out so I can roll it into the next one. Sure. But because they were new builds, maintenance is not going to be happening because of how they were built. The cement floor, the painted cement floor, the, you know, looks great. All that stuff, I'm like, well, you know what? I'm probably not going to have maintenance for five years at least. Right. I might as well trap that money in because I'm going to grow that positive cash flow. And sure. I already have, and I knew we could get those higher rents. I, I pushed the envelope What'd at you the get time. For it? 1500 But at the time when you were telling me, you were saying 1300 yeah. And I was like, no, nah, I'm going to get 1500 and yeah. here's how. And I just, I used. Well, market was 13 to 1400 But Memphis Housing Authority was higher. There you go. There's and the key. And so I, I knew that, that little piece of the equation. And I was like, I'm going to leverage Memphis Housing Authority. Now, both of those on Sunnybrook are now MHA. No, I still have one that's not. Which one? The, the, the one that just moved in. She's, she's not MHA. She's not MHA, oh, no. I thought she was. Okay. But you're getting 1500 still though, right? Yeah, 1500 for both. Okay. Yeah, I just want to say one more thing that we come from a blue collar family. Our dad was a carpet layer. Anybody can do this. So carpet we, layer. Yeah, we didn't have any carpet, it, layer. carpet well, layer. When I was in high school, that meant something different than actually laying carpet. <laughs> so I'm just making sure. Carpet <laughs> installer. And, and, and we we knew carpenter. Uh, we knew early on we didn't want to do this anymore. We worked. I worked when I was nine years old with him every summer. And that's you rough know, work laying carpet. Yeah, it tears but, your knees up and, and, and your and knuckles it, and flipping just little houses and just anything we could kind of flip early on and it, it you know allowed me to to actually learn financing learn investment and then i transitioned into the uh taking companies public so but it all started with just flipping a house you know just a fifty thousand dollar house into 70 you know trying to just make something i used to take five grand if i could just because i had no money yeah it was just double closing stuff and then well, transitioned into being able to have enough money to make it work the young guys that make it like y'all did into these bigger numbers and these bigger portfolios are the guys that take your strategy, smart. Yeah. Take your money and pay down principal. Buy into the asset. Don't tie up your cash. Don't leave all your cash tied up. But I believe, unfortunately, these seminars are pitching this pie in the sky. Buy it, rehab it, put 20, 30 grand in it, refinance it at 140, put all the cash in your pocket and go buy a second one. But if you do that and you're 100% maxed out and you're leaving some of your cash on the property, eventually, unless you've got a million dollars coming every year, you're going to run out of cash to continue growing. Yeah. So I don't always agree with that philosophy because they're pitching the prosperity side of it yeah. and not the long asset yeah. wealth building uh, side of it. That's why they should buy three, sell two, take that extra cash from those two sales to buy three more Another thing and keep reason rolling that's important, it forward. Yeah, eventually you hit a level where you can then kind of sit back, all right, well, I'm going to take $1,000 a month out of my cash flow and buy my wife a new car. Yeah, I knew somebody though that would buy a property on occasion, but by being more aggressive, you get better at finding property, buying the right deal. So if you're buying three rather than just one here and one there and flipping a couple, you you learn the market more. You have to learn how to sell the property. Well, people also learn about you. I get a lot of referrals simply because people find out about me from my time in the, the That's business. Right. If you're, you're a big active. buyer and you buy, like I know all the big buyers in Memphis. 
Yeah. I don't represent them, but I know of them because they've made a name here. They've bought sure. this, they bought that. That's the flip side of it. If you can get your feet wet and end up with 10 properties, the agents and the people in that market are going to start paying attention and knowing who you are. Right. And then deals will kind of fall into your lap. People start calling and say, hey, I'm going to put yeah. this house in the market. Do you want it before I do? Well, that, that yeah. happened all the time back then in yeah. Ogden. And you meet a lot of people when you're selling the property. So don't be afraid to sell them. You got to learn how to sell them. I mean, because if you can't make money flipping it, you're probably not going to make money owning them. No. You know, you, you, you got I mean, let's face it. You don't yeah. make a lot of cash owning rental real estate. Yeah, you got You make a little bit, but if you do it right, my philosophy is 10 years from now, yeah. you literally can become a guy who works at FedEx and in 10 years be a millionaire. Yep. Oh, for sure. If you do the real estate investing right, yep. you can become a millionaire just like that. But if you make a mistake on your first one, you're out of the game right, right. now. So, so just don't do that. <laughs> and then, you time. know, once you hit your first million in value, it's easy then to do it at two and three and four and five. Exactly. And then, yeah, then you're on your way to being uh, Donald Trump Jr. if that's what your sure. aspirational life is. Exactly. You mentioned self-managing in Ogden, Utah, but what have you done here in the Memphis market as far as property management is concerned? And what has been your experience? So I'm not going to name names, but I've had two property management companies. He knows them well. Since I started them. And I had to fire both. And I just self-manage in Memphis as well. It's not that hard. With technology. As long as you have a good agent. Right? Yeah. Yeah. If you get an agent that's willing to go on a Thursday afternoon for two hours and show your unit, <laughs> then you're in pretty good shape. That's not me. So don't call me and ask me to take again, show your again, property. If you're, if you're listening. selling property, it helps because he gets paid on that too. No, all kidding aside, we do do that. And a high-end agent here, investment guy I've compete with a lot, and we, we know each other, Ask me that question. Why the hell are you doing this? You don't make money to do that. Mike, because he's going to buy property number five for me, then six, then seven, and eventually a 20-unit apartment complex, I'm investing in the future of our team. Yeah. A lot of agents don't look at that. They're, they're kind of a one and done, give me my check, let me go, nice to meet you. And I think that's a horrible way to run a business. Yeah, but anyway. that, that and Dan's usually bold enough to ask people to do things that he probably shouldn't, but it's fine. Well, <laughs> I'm, I appreciate that. A lot of my you clients won't do it. Like I had a guy call me Monday yeah. and he was like, man, I hate to call you, but I'm yeah. having this issue. And I'm like, dude, why didn't you call me last week? Yeah. Take, I, I went over and took care of it in 10 nice. minutes for him. Awesome. Yeah. Um, because good. the management company, one of them we're talking about, was giving him a screw around. Yeah. And he's getting getting aggravated and I think he's actually fixing the balance but uh I just went over and took 10 minutes with a wrench and I fixed the problem it was done yeah I did it management companies are are good uh you just you're just not going to make very much money if you have a management company if you're a management company you're listening to this don't take this personally but there's no such thing as a great management company there's no such thing as excellent well they don't make a lot of money and so they have to find ways to gouge you and it sucks yeah and you got to learn to manage your property initially, anyway. So you know really, what it's all yeah. about. You got to get to know your tenants, and the tenants will appreciate that. There are times there are you a can't lot of good it. management companies, but don't go into this expecting to have you know the greatest management company on the planet because every management company has got its positives and its negatives. And I think yeah. we've we've if, learned if you that. Want over low the years. maintenance, just buy houses. Get a lot of houses like he did. They usually manage themselves in a way. Sure, sure. They people, really do. People want to live in a house. You line up a local yeah. maintenance guy, have a good realtor in town, and pretty much you can deal with any issue that pops yeah, yeah. up. If you got 20-unit apartment building, you, you probably need a management yep. guy. Yeah. Single-family homes, that tenant stays on average five years. Yeah. That, that's a solid rental. So you rent it. You work hard for a month to get it rented. And then you don't have any work there for five years other than, you know, regular maintenance. And you just call your, your guy and say, hey, go, go fix this. Or I've been just forwarding text messages. Yeah, yeah. that five-year number is going up. It, yeah, it probably. Well, I mean, I have. MHA should be a longer. longer my, I have well, t- people can't buy houses. I have tenants in Ogden that are 15, 20-year tenants. Yeah. yeah, once they're comfortable with you, they'll stay. 
All right, guys. Well, look, I appreciate it. Dan, uh, Shane. A lot nice. of fun. Thank you. Thanks for being here. Uh, yeah. Thanks for sharing your insight. I'm pretty excited about 2024. Things are really kicking off. Jeff, you got a lot of activity on that package today. Yeah, we're working with several agents. Two of them are on a rock, looking for on a yeah, rock. Yeah, so yeah. that's good. Reach out to us, 901-692-7401, or go to our website, mymemphisinvestmentproperties.com. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast, so every time we release a podcast, you'll get a notification, and you can listen to whatever crazy crap we've come up with today. So thanks for listening. Have a great day. For more common sense real estate tips, listen and subscribe at 5oClockSomewherePodcast.com. The 5 O'Clock Somewhere Real Estate Investor Podcast is a Sound Ideas Group production.